Hey, Stephen, this week we talked to Dr. Ida Ingambeki about social engineering. And holy moly, I have to, last night I was changing passwords. I, yes. I, ever since that, I've been changing my behavior. My, it talks about like, what, digital hygiene? And it, it's... Well, oh. and just even all the different ways that um, that people can be breached, right? Like, yes. Like shoulder surfing. I didn't know what that was. And now I'm this just constantly is, looking... Oh. It's kind of a longer interview, but she had so much amazing stuff. We couldn't cut it out. We had to leave it in there. And so even if you have to break this one up, you're listening to it, it it's okay. Break it up. Listen, you know, pause it because there's a lot of stuff, but it's all stuff we need. Make sure you get down to the end because that's when she tells us, she gives us examples of things that we can actually say. And things that we can do to protect ourselves. Yes. Because it's, but, you can't always right, be yeah. a nice person, you know, yeah. and she's like, no, tell them this. You know, it, politely, you could tell them this, and because it, it's that was mind blowing, and uh, that was so useful with her explaining the you know, water holes, media drops, the pushing, farming, and all this stuff. And so she explained, broke down cybersecurity, really how to protect yourself, and gave us so many awesome suggestions, and even followed it up, like I said, with how do you, what are some things that you say to help prevent yourself uh, from actually getting. And uh, really, yeah, for getting scammed mm -hmm. and really broke it down for you to be able to uh, to in implement it, implement yeah. it. And um, so this is, a, this is a good one to listen to. And like I said, you might have to break it up. It's a little longer than what our normal ones are, but there's so much information, you can't lose it. Joining us today on Superheroes of Science, we're so excited to welcome Dr. Ida Ingambeki. Dr. Ida is an assistant professor with the Department of Computer and Information Technology and the executive director of the Purdue Center. And Dr. Ida, we're gonna ask you to explain a little further because you have a lot of, you do a lot of things and. <laughs> All right, so hello everyone. I am Dr. Ida. Uh, as Sarah was saying, I'm an assistant professor in computer and information technology, and I specialize in human factors cybersecurity. I'm also the executive director of Purdue Center, which is the Cyber Education Network Training Resources. Yes. So Center is for um, non-credit academic training. So for people who aren't registered at Purdue University, but want to have that Purdue experience, want to learn from our professors, we offer um, courses in cybersecurity. So short courses in digital forensics, social engineering, um, blockchain security, topics like that. Um, we also offer certifications, so professional certifications that you need to advance in industry like um, we offer uh, several CompTIA certifications like Security Plus. We offer um, CEH out of EC Council, which is um, ethical hacking. And we offer things like CISSP out of ISC squared, which I'm, I realize I'm going into jargon. <laughs> so, CIS, so these are certifications that as you go through your career, as a professional in cybersecurity, because the industry changes so much, new information is constantly coming out, you need to be able to prove that you have certain skill sets. So at different points in your career, you basically can take an exam to prove that you know certain things. And that's what we call certifications, right? And so these certifications sort of go up in difficulty and prestige as you go on throughout your career. All right, so let's uh, jump back just here. What do you mean by human factors? 
uh, because ah. that was one of the, the first thing I wanted to jump all over, but I was like, I, 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 of course, I wasn't, well, I wanted to interrupt you, but I didn't. Um, I'm like, what does it mean? <laughs> it's, uh, but when you start off with saying the human factors of cybersecurity, what do we mean by okay. human factors? So in any social technical system, you have the technical elements. So the computers, the networks, the software and the hardware that makes things run. And then you have what we call wetware, which is not a term I like because it sounds weird, but the wetware is the human beings. So in any system you have, in any computing system, you have software, you have hardware, and you have human beings who interact with these systems, right? And so that's what I deal with, the human factors. The human beings who interact with these systems are making decisions about how these systems should run, um, and most of you, you sit down at your computer every day, right? And you do all sorts of tasks, right? You do homework, you do research, you do some shopping online. There's lots of social media going on, watch some videos, read some news, all of that stuff. And every time you do that, you're interacting with the computer and you're making decisions about what to look at. You make decisions about how to keep your software up to date, how to keep your, um, your machine essentially safe and secure. You make decisions about your privacy settings, about the browsers you use, so many things about what sites you visit and where you go shopping. And so what I study is how you make all of those decisions and the impact of those decisions on your security and how you can we can help you to be safer online. Right? And then we also study the interactions that people have with each other using the computer. Right? So every time you text somebody else or you post something on social media, you are interacting with other people right? Mm -hmm. through a, a medium, a mediated medium, which is the computer itself. And because you're using a particular medium, that changes the nature of your interaction. So the way you talk to somebody over text messages versus over email versus over social media changes, and that impacts your security. So those are the things that I study. Oh, what type of impacts could have, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, texting. I, well, I think everything you listed, I've already done today. And so- uh, <laughs> and I will do this every day, all the time. It's, oh, yeah, okay, I've done all of those. And so uh, how could myself texting, how could that be a, a cybersecurity threat? Okay, so we're talking about social engineering today. So I will bring this back to social engineering. There is a form of social engineering that is becoming increasingly more popular called smishing, right? So you've all probably heard of phishing. That's those, those emails you get that are essentially trying to manipulate you yeah, or you deceive click you something, or right? trick you onto like clicking. So either opening or downloading an attachment that's going to introduce a vulnerability onto your computer or clicking on a link that is going to take you somewhere where you shouldn't be, right? So where they're going to ask you for information that you shouldn't be giving out, something like that, right? So that's essentially what we call, that's a form of social engineering. And social engineering can be thought of as human hacking, right? So I mentioned these three parts of the system. You can hack the software, hack the hardware, or hack the wetware, right? So I don't have to spend hours trying to tunnel into your system, finding open ports, um, trying to uh, you know, gain access to your hardware if I can hack you, if I can get you to give me access, right? By tricking you or deceiving you or manipulating you in some way. That is what social engineering is. And it ranges from everything from like in-person attacks. So for example, if you have a secure building, right? So you, you have a building with a, a 
computer lock on it and you have to enter a code or swipe a card to gain access, right? That's a security measure. I can bypass that security measure by asking somebody to hold the door open for me, right? So I, I'm holding you know, a tray of coffee cups. Somebody's going in, I walk in afterwards, they look and they're like, oh, her hands are full. She obviously can't swipe and they just let me in, right? I have bypassed the security. I don't have to worry about hacking that lock. Yes. That is an example of social engineering to things like phishing, right? Which brings me back to fish, uh, to smishing. Smishing is the form of phishing that takes place over text message. So um, I think more and more you're having experience of getting these text messages from maybe people you don't know or numbers that are not safe to your computer. And they're offering you, you know, telling you that you've won something or they're asking you to click a link. You know, I get lots of ones around rent for some reason and like housing, you know, we're having a, a meeting, please click on here to uh, sign up or schedule a time or whatever it is, right? So those are the equivalent of phishing emails. So over text, if you click on those links or you respond to those text messages, right? You are already a victim of social engineering. Oh. Yes. Thanks. So don't don't be texting people you don't know. Is the bottom. <laughs> that, uh, that's what I was going to ask too. Like, how do we avoid this? <laughs> don't text people you don't know. Okay, so I think it would be helpful to go through the different types of social engineering. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know a lot of them. A lot of people have heard of some of them. You might not be that familiar with. These are not all the types of social engineering. Social engineering is really interesting because there's so many ways that you can attack people right? Think of any interaction you can have with people, that is a way that you can attack them. So, but there's some that tend to be more common and we have some terms for them. Phishing, obviously, most of you are familiar with, that is using that email, you know, you receive those emails that are trying to make you compromise your security. There's something called farming, which is usually a follow-on to something like phishing, right? So it's farming with a PH. And the idea is it's a form of account hijacking, right? So people want you to like click on a link and it takes you to a website and you think it's a real website, but it's not. It looks exactly like, for example, if you were signing into your um, account, be it like a bank account or your school account or whatever it is, it looks very similar, right? Mm -hmm. But it's actually a fake site. And if you look very carefully, they usually have like one letter off of the URL right? But they're set up to look real. So you enter your credentials and it stores that information. So now somebody knows what your login name is and what your password is. And usually once you've entered those, they redirect you to the real site and you think, oh, for whatever reason it didn't happen, you log in again. You don't even know that somebody has taken this information from you. You get into the site and you, know, you do your business and somebody is walking away with your credentials. And is that would would something like um, emails? Hey, your bank account. We need you to check your bank account. Click here, mm -hmm. and yes. then uh, that's read. Okay, and, and that directs uh, you to seen a farming those. site. I know I've told people to well never click on that. Just open your browser and go to your web bank to see. Right, it. exactly. With phishing emails, in fact, phishing has become so sophisticated. Sometimes you can't tell. Right, it used to be look for poor grammar, look for. Um, 
you know, misspelled addresses, things like that. These days they're so sophisticated. They spoof these so well. It's really hard to tell. So what we tell people is, unless you are expecting this email, right? So somebody sends you an email with an attachment, unless you know, my boss is going to send me an Excel spreadsheet, right? Or this vendor is going to send me a quote or an invoice, or my friend is sending me pictures from their vacation. Otherwise, never, ever open an attachment. Don't do it. Um, and never click on a link, right? Legitimate companies are not going to send you emails saying um, your account has been locked out. You have to click on this link right away, right? So if somebody is trying to, um, if you get, receive an email where somebody is trying to sell you something, is offering you services that seem too good to be true, is telling you you want a prize in uh, sweepstakes or something that you did not enter, some competition that you did not enter, if there is some sort of time limit or urgency, right? You have to do this within the next 24 hours and there's some sort of implied threat, you're going to lose access to your account or we'll cut off your credit card or whatever it is. Those, those are red flags that say, this is probably a phishing email. So do not click on links, do not call numbers that you see in emails, right? If you want to contact whoever you think sent you the email, go online, look up their number, use that to call them. Don't just call the number in the email. It may be a fake number. Do not click on the link in the email. Go online, look up the company, go to their website. That's what we recommend with phishing. And that's how you avoid farming, right? Um, there is something called shoulder surfing, which is exactly what it looks like. You're sitting at a table in, an, in, in a cafe, you know, working or you're working in a computer lab, you know, there's so many places in public, we use our computers, you're on your phone, right? And you decide to log into an account or checks, you know, something. Somebody's just standing behind you, just watching and they oh. see your password, right? They see what you type in. That is information that they now have and they can use, right? So that's what we call shoulder surfing. Um, vishing are those phone calls that you get, right? So it's essentially phishing, but on the phone, right? So there's people calling you, telling you um, uh, car warranties seem to be the most common right now. But yeah. um, also around tax time, there are lots from the IRS. You have a bill from the IRS if you don't pay it right away. Yeah, I've, or, received, I've received those. <laughs> this is generic law enforcement. This is the sheriff's office. We have an open case against you. Yep. I think you've, you've heard some of those. Those are all vishing emails. Um, we have um, calling from your bank. We have some uh, strange charges on your credit card. Could you please confirm that this is your credit card information, right? Please tell me your social security number so I can confirm that this is your credit card information. They are trying to get that information from you. It's a way to get information from you. So the safest thing to do is just hang up. If you're worried about it, go look up your bank's number, call them and say, hey, is there an issue with my credit card? Right. Um, account hijacking it can happen in a lot of ways. So it can happen through that farming that I was just talking about, but it can also happen. Um, okay, so do you know what the five most common security questions are? Oh, well, it would be your first pet, your mm -hmm. favorite teacher, 
city <laughs> well, born that's in the top 20 yeah the city you were born mother's maiden name right Maybe the street you grew up on is that one? street you grew up on is one of them right so these very common questions that are used as security questions for a lot of accounts right your bank account your email your whatever mm -hmm. so if somebody has that information and they have your username most people use the same username um, for almost all of their accounts so if i have your username from for example your social media and I know the answers to your security questions, I have access to your accounts, right? And those are things I can find out, for example, from perusing your social media, from having a conversation with you, right? I strike up a conversation with you either online or in person. I get to know your conversation. It's very normal to ask about where you grew up and what are your pets' names and so on. And using that information, I can hijack your accounts, right? Um, I think the most famous account hijacking um, was when uh, this was actually a, a cybersecurity blogger. Their account was hijacked, um, and it was where, and it was used to access their cryptocurrency wallet, oh. and they lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in Bitcoin, just gone <laughs> because somebody because you know it's protected by a password, mm -hmm. and once somebody has access to that password. So um, in that case, you want to make sure that you have two-factor two authentication set up everywhere that it is available, right? So that's one of the ways that you can avoid that. Something a lot of people avoid because it's inconvenient. Right, it's inconvenient, but inconvenience is the price you pay for security sometimes, right? Um, you want to make sure your privacy settings are at the highest possible level so that... Um, Random people do not have access to, for example, the information that you're putting out on social media. Um, I know it, it's really popular to have those 5,000 friends on Instagram or whatever it is, right? People connect with you or friends of friends of friends connect with you. You don't know if you can trust these people. So if you do have those more public accounts, be very careful what information you're sharing on those accounts. I always tell my students, Every single piece of information can be used against you by somebody who knows what they're doing. I also tell them, don't live your life in fear because of that. Because, um, you are statistically not likely to be the victim of a social engineering attack as long as you are being fairly careful, mm -hmm. right? Being, there are reasonable steps that you can take. And once you've taken those steps, stop worrying about it. If somebody really wants to get you, they will. Um, but other than that, just basic security measures, um, keeping on top of software updates, right? Mm -hmm. So those flashes, those pop-ups you get, reminding you to update your software, make sure you're doing that. And make sure it is a real pop-up because that's another version of social engineering. We call it ad fraud, right? So you get lots of pop-ups that tell you... Um, buy this at a really cheap price, or you have won, or you are our 1,000th visitor today, um, click here for a free iPhone. Most of those are either sending you to fraudulent sites where they will take your money and not give you a product, sending you to sites where they will collect information from you, right, and use it in later attacks, like identity theft, for example, or sending you to a site where, um, a malicious program can be downloaded onto your computer. So don't click on, on pop-ups.
Um, so there, there are lots and lots of other examples of social engineering, right? There are lots of social media scams. Um, swatting is a form of social engineering. It's not that common, but can be very dangerous. Uh, watering holes. Watering holes are basically, um, they're similar to farming. They're fraudulent websites, but they're set up so that they're like watering holes in, on the savannah, right? All the animals sort of flock to them to get their water. They're a place where people congregate. So if you know that there's a, pic, a particular place where a lot of people congregate, so for example, um, uh, a site for uh, uh, a company, the, a food company, right? A restaurant mm -hmm. that a lot of people visit, you know, um, a lot of people who work at this university eat at these three places. So I can set up fake websites that look exactly like the real websites for these companies, right? Knowing that if somebody goes in and searches for that, I can place an ad so that it is the first thing that shows up, oh. right? So instead of clicking on the real company's website, you're clicking on my fake website. And now I can use that to either put malicious software on your machine or um, get information from you. All right, so watch out for those watering holes. Make sure you're going to the actual company websites. Not, I, I try to avoid those um, ad-sponsored websites that come up at the top of searches because anybody can pay for an ad, right? You don't know who put it up there. Yeah. Though I will say, um, Major companies like Google, they try to stay on top of these, but it's so easy to do these. It, it's hard to stay on top of them. Fair enough. Um, media drops are something else that you should look out for. If you find a thumb drive, for example, lying on the ground, do not plug it into your machine. And do I not. see those all Ever. the time. And it's, <laughs> I, I'm like, I wonder if someone's going to pick that up and get somebody's data or something. Right, exactly. So you can be really curious about what's on that. Or you might want to be a good Samaritan. Let me plug this in, find out maybe there's something on there that will say who it belongs to so I can return it to them. Do not do that. Never plug in somebody, you know, somebody might come up to you and say, oh, I, I just, I really need to just look at this really quickly. Can I borrow your machine? Right. Never plug a foreign device into your machine ever. Ever. Um, that was a tough one as I <laughs> because the students would come and they'd say, oh, I didn't have a printer at home. I need to print this off. And, I, and, our, uh, and you just feel so sorry. You're like, you feel so sorry. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, I thought there, Google set up the thing. They could do everything online. And then we didn't need the thumb drives anymore. Exactly. Right. And you also want to stay away from um, public Wi-Fi. Oh. Right. So it, it, it can be nice to not that have hurt. to use your data. Um, you're out somewhere and, you know, oh my God, there's Wi-Fi available. Those are, first of all, even if they are legitimate networks, so provided by a hotel or an airport or whatever it is, they are public networks. They are not secure, right? So any information you send over them can be viewed. Now, sometimes people will actually set up public networks for the purpose of harvesting information. So it'll say X airport or Y coffee house, but it's not really their network. It is somebody, you know, out there who wants to steal your information, providing you with free Wi-Fi so that you can log on and they can do that. Because anything you send over that network can be viewed. 
Oh, and you see those warnings every time, but uh, it quite guilty of saying, yeah. I know, convenience, right? <laughs> <laughs> convenience tempts you. And that's what makes social engineering so hard. There are um, certain things that we depend on as human beings, right? So social engineering depends on people's habits. If there's something you know somebody does habitually, you can use that to exploit them. Um, it depends on providing convenience, right? Because people like things to be easy. Uh, it depends on those, our better instincts. So things like reciprocity. If I give somebody a gift, they're more likely to want to give me something back because we like to be nice, right? It depends on liking. If you can get somebody to like you, you strike up conversation with them, you become friendly. They want to tell you about themselves. They want to help you because they like you, right? It's the same reason if you're walking into a secure building, you hold the door open for the people behind you because it's polite. But those are things that social engineers exploit. Your desire to be liked, your desire to be polite, your desire um, for empathy, right? Um, another thing they like to exploit is scarcity. If we think that we are exclusive winners of something or we have exclusive access to something, right? We like to be in the know, in the in crowd or the, you know, to get the special stuff. Those are things that social engineers exploit, right? And then the other thing is authority. They tell you that um, they are in a position of authority. So that's why you get those calls from law enforcement that scares people, right? They wanna listen, they've been taught, we need to trust the police, we need to obey the police. So when they get a call like that from law enforcement, from um, the IRS, the social security administration, they think, I need to do what these people are telling me to do, right? Um, somebody walks up to you and says, I'm the new teacher and I'd like you to show me such and such, right? You don't know them. You don't know if that's true, right? So you need to be very careful about authority as well. This is so hard because you want to trust people. <laughs> you want to help people. Yes. And yet you're telling me don't be so helpful. Don't, I know it, it goes contrary. I always feel so awful. Somebody's coming up, you know, behind me. I always close doors. If you're meant to be here, you have a way to get in. You have a key or you have a swipe card yeah. or you have a code, right? So I will close the door behind me. And it just, it feels so rude to that person right behind you. You just slam the door in my face. You're making my life harder. Why? Because there are reasons why these security measures exist. I know my son had an internship and he did that. He, it, he, he let the door shut behind him. And one of the engineers were there like, like, Hey, didn't you see that person coming up? Why didn't you? I know. And he's like, I don't know. And he, I'm like, you know, I know that's the right thing to do, but I, it's, it's so, it it's so hard for bad. me to do. It feels bad. Um, there was a, a, a particular example of social engineering when an entire companies. Um, infrastructure and the entire company's network was compromised because somebody came in, um, carry, you know, carrying resume, dressed up, carrying a cup of coffee. They ran up to the receptionist. Oh my God, please help me out. I just spilled my coffee. You know, they had coffee spill all over themselves, all over their things. I just spilled my coffee. I'm here for a job interview. My, I just spilled coffee all over my resume. I have another copy of it on my thumb drive. Could you please, please, please help me out? And, you know, you really feel for somebody in that situation. Yeah. So you plug it in and yes, there's a copy of their resume and you print it out for them. But what you 
that person, that receptionist didn't know was there was also a file on there that downloaded onto the company's computers and started off a ransomware attack. Wow. So yes, that, that desire to be helpful and for people to like you, you meet somebody and you're chatting with them and you're having a good time. They're asking you about your life and you're telling them, you know, and they're telling you about their life. And before you know it, you've told them where you grew up and you've told them about your parents and about your pets and your favorite book and your favorite food. And there are your security questions right there from a fun chat you had with somebody getting to know someone. And so that's, that's the danger of social engineering right? New forms of these attacks come up. Um, there was, a, you sometimes see these going around on social media. Uh, for example, the, the Florida man, right? So you know how Florida always has those weird news stories that yeah. come out of there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this really popular trend on social media a couple years ago, where it was um, find the, the date of your birth, and a Florida man story from that date and post uh-huh. it, right? <laughs> so you post a story, somebody can search for that and now they know your birth date. Oh. And because they're on your social media, they already know, right? So there's so many ways that people can get information from you. Now, I, <laughs> I know my husband's noticed recently, he's been getting phone calls, but it actually has a name where before it's like we never saw this if the number didn't register it would come up unknown but now it's like there's a name that goes yes. with numbers is this something kind of really like oh yeah this is it's called spoofing it's very easy to do there are literally websites that do this um uh, you can google them and you can put in the number that you want to appear or the name that you want to appear and that is what your call and you call through the service and that is what your call will show up as what Yes, that's. He's like, I don't know, but it came. And up- they're free. Most of these services are free. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh wow! It seems like this is something. It's just good for a good reminder for everybody, but especially, I just, I'm thinking right now, we're on Zoom, and every, and how much has gone online just in this past year. Just, just such a good reminder to to be extra vigilant. Just be extra vigilant, and so basic things to remember. I know this all sounds scary. I don't know how much time we have left. I know, I feel like I've been talking for a while. Oh, plenty of time, plenty of time. Okay. <laughs> so some things that you need to do. Cyber hygiene. That's updating your um, software, right? Do not ignore those software updates on all of your devices. Make sure they are all up to date. Make sure those updates are actually coming from the um from legitimate sources, right? Make sure you have a firewall in place on your computer. Make sure you have some form of antivirus software. Um, And it's probably a good idea to run some sort of anti-spyware, anti-adware. So that's what we call basic cyber hygiene, right? So the same way that you brush your teeth every day to stay healthy, you take a shower every day, right? You make sure you're eating right. Those are the same things your machine needs to do, right? Every so often you need to restart, you need to clear your caches, um, remove all those cookies, make sure your software is up to date, all of that. That's what we call cyber hygiene. The second thing, take an afternoon, given the number of different accounts most people have, this is worth doing. Make sure you take an afternoon, you know, take some time out 
and just look through all of your accounts, the privacy settings, and make sure they are set to the highest level. You start with your phone. Is location tracking on for anything, right? Unless it's a maps sort of thing, you don't need location tracking on it. It doesn't need to know where you are. Mm-hmm. So unless it is a an app that really needs those services, turn them off. Go to your social media, check your privacy settings, right? Just scrub through, make sure things like your phone numbers aren't posted anywhere, your addresses aren't posted anywhere. Um, you're not posting pictures that like have your house address in the background, right? Uh, where you went to school, right? So ident- strongly identifying information isn't posted. So make sure you just clear out all your social media so that that's set. Um, third thing you wanna do with mail, right? Because when we think social engineering, most people just think computers, but social engineering um, applies to all of what we call information security. So there's lots of information. That's why when we talk about tailgating, which is that letting people into the building, right? A lot of the time that has nothing to do with computers, right? Sometimes those are computerized locks, Um, but we call it social engineering because it's a way to gain access to information or systems, right? So you also want to think about your snail mail come up with a system so all of the junk mail that you get don't just toss it there can be information especially those credit card applications there can be information on there that people can use for identity theft so make sure you have a system where you separate out your snail mail Um, you're keeping that mail in a safe place right the mail that is legitimate the mail that is not legitimate make sure that you are shredding it you can get a decent shredder for 20 bucks Right. Um, You want to make sure that you look at um, all of your devices, right? So we have what we call the internet of things. So many of your devices, printers, fridges, televisions, right? We have all these smart TVs. We have so many things that are connected to even things that don't need to be. I was reading the other day about (laughs) diapers that are now connected to your phone. I don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they exist. They're out there. But any of those devices that you have, right? Make sure that they are password protected. They are literally websites that you can go on and identify all the devices in a the neighborhood. They'll have the, the basic, you know, the factory codes on them. And that can give you access to those devices. And since those are networked, that gives you access to a person's network. You do not want that. So make sure you take the time, anything that is internet connected in your home, make sure that you reset the password, right? Password management. I recommend people get a password manager so that you don't have to worry about it. There are um, several good examples out on, on the market right now, and they've become fairly cheap. If you cannot afford a password manager, make sure that, especially for your key accounts, financial accounts, right? Um, anywhere that those financial accounts feed into, right? So my bank account can have a nice secure password, but my bank account is sending emails to my Gmail and that has a, you know, just whatever password, right? Make sure that any of those important accounts and anything that they're connected to, make sure they each have a unique password. And for passwords, we recommend Wherever it's available, some places will limit you to the eight characters or whatever it is. The strongest password comes from length, not complexity, 
right? So wherever possible, use a passphrase. It should not be a common English phrase. So it shouldn't be something like superheroes of science, right? That's something that's a, a computer. Note self, change that one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but something um, that means something to you that will be easy to remember, right? Um, but the longer, the better, right? The longer it is, the more secure it is. Make sure that they are unique. Do not use the same password multiple times. It is worth going. There is a website called Have I Been Pwned? So have I H-A-V-E-I-P-W-N-E-D. Okay. Have I Been Pwned? And it's basically, you can enter your email addresses or you know your login names and your passwords separately of course right you don't enter them together because and it will search and tell you whether that shows up in a data leak somewhere oh. there's so many data leaks you cannot even keep up with them anyway i do this oh. professionally and i can't keep up right um there's just a massive one out of mcdonald's of all places um so it'll tell you whether that um, email address or that password appears in a data leak somewhere. So it is worth going out, finding out if they do, or even if you don't want to go out and look, just go ahead and change all your passwords. For those that are you're, um, constrained to those eight characters, make sure you have that. It's not an English word. It is not just a series of letters. Like one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six is still the most common password out there. Still. <laughs> wow. Make sure it's not, it's not like I love Lucy or something like that. Those or even I love Lucy one, right? Those are really easy to find. So it's not a common phrase. It's not a series of letters. It's not something like go bears or I love the Colts or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Boilermaker is the number one, right? shouldn't be around your sports team or your favorite TV shows or you know, popular poems or anything like that. Um, make sure you have that capital letter in there mm -hmm. and that special character in there, right? Now, this can be difficult because the average person has between 30 and 70 accounts. That's what I'm thinking. How am I going to remember all those if I change right. all of them which to something is, exactly, totally Exactly, which is why. Um, so there are certain things you can do. You can write them down. But if you're going to write them down, make sure that nobody has access to them. This is really sad to say, but the majority of the victims of identity theft are victimized by somebody they know. Oh. So a significant other or a family member. Wow, still today? I figured maybe like years ago that would be that way, but not, wow. Yeah, somebody you think is your friend, somebody you think you can trust. Yeah, so if you're going to write them down, make sure you're, no, you're writing them down somewhere where absolutely nobody has access to them. Okay. Um, you can also write them down and put them in a, a vault, but, you know, anything online is... Some things are safer than other things, but nothing is completely safe, right? Uh, my recommendation would be get a password manager. It, it, you don't that, have to remember when you say what the password are. manager, that's a specialty app? Yeah, um, so it can be, um, I think some of them come with, with an app. Some of them, it's a physical fob. Some of them oh. have both paired, right? And it, just, it, just, it remembers, it generates passwords for you, remembers them, um, so you just need to 
plug that in and it'll do that for you. Hmm. All right. So privacy settings, password management, cyber hygiene. Um, if you are particularly um, concerned, some people go to the extent of creating a persona online, right? Create a full person, give them a name, can be similar to your own or not. Give them an email address, give them a fake birth date, and that is what you use. If you're signing up for, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, there's so many things you need to sign up for now. Um, yes. Newspaper service or, you know, anything that's not, that doesn't legally require you to provide real information, right? Uh, signing up for um, social media sites or uh, uh, multiplayer online games or um, shopping, right? Walmart doesn't need to have your old name. Um, so you can, ha- you can use that profile for those things that could potentially compromise your security, right? So it allows you to buy stuff on eBay, right? You don't know who the sellers are. You don't know if they're trustworthy people or whatever it is. They can't necessarily track you back using that profile, right? So it allows you to roam the internet without worrying so much. But that, that's sort of an extreme. <laughs> it's becoming more common, but it is still fairly fringe. Um, but if you keep up with the, the privacy settings, the cyber hygiene, the pa- good password management, um, and you know, keeping track of inf- real life information, so physical information, if you do those four things, you should be fine. And the fifth thing is paying attention, right? Emails, text messages, right? That's a big one. Emails, text messages, websites, right? Do not, do not visit shady websites. Um, If you get, if your computer is warning you that this site, the certificate is expired or for whatever reason, the site may not be unsafe, may not be safe. Don't click on that site. Um, Don't go on open sites like Craigslist and just, you know, talk to whoever and share whatever with them. Right. Um, if you're buying something or selling something, most uh, police stations will allow you to meet in their parking lot to exchange or meet in some other public area. Online dating. Never, in, never give somebody your home address and never invite them into your home for your first meeting. Always meet in public. Always meet somewhere where you can get there and leave under your own steam. Do not share personal information with them until you know them better. Right. Um, most of these sites are set up so that you could have all of the interaction you need to before you meet within the site. So people who are asking you, um, tell me your snap or tell me your you know, Instagram handle or your TikTok, whatever, stay off of those. Right. When you download apps, only download apps from legitimate app stores. Right. So don't bypass uh, the Google Play Store or the Apple app. Um, iTunes store? iTunes, Right. Don't just go on the internet and think, oh, this looks really cool. I'm going to download this, right? Because there are um, security protections in place. They do do security reviews on those official apps before they let them into those stores. Even with those, we're still constantly finding apps in those app stores that have security issues, right? But at least it's a, a higher level of security than some random thing you find online. So only buy things out of the app store. When you download an app, 
if it is asking you for your contacts, if it's asking you to okay location information, right? If it tells you it wants access to your um, pictures, ask yourself, does it really need that? Candy Crush, does it need to have access to your contacts, right? It's, there are a lot of these fun games. You may want to play with your friends or whatever. It doesn't need your entire contact list. Do not give it permissions to do that, right? So a lot of us just click yes, 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 so we can get to where we need to get to don't, right? Um, a lot of them will just ask you to accept privacy in terms of service. I know those things can be ridiculous and long, but if it's asking you, that's a, a red flag already, right? Because it usually means it's something beyond the standard for an app. Peruse it and see what's in there or just Google it because there are people who spend the time to actually read through these things and see what's in there. So Google terms of service XYZ app and see if anybody has flagged certain things before you just randomly accept. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Uh, so I know I've not used apps that I really wanted to before because I'm like, I don't understand why they would be asking right, for it. Exactly. Um, another thing I recommend is having multiple email addresses, mm -hmm. right? There are email addresses. Um, a lot of people, a lot of like most of you who are listening to this are students. Your student email addresses that are provided by your school those are not private. Your school has access to all of that information. I work at a public university. That means all my emails on the public university website subject to freedom of information requests. That means some member of the public can ask. There is a process, a legal process for it. So they can't just ask and get it. But those emails are archived somewhere and somebody can get access to them, right? So if you have an email provided by an institution, Usually that institution has some access to the contents of those emails. Don't use that email for everything, right? Just use it for things relevant to that, right? Don't use it to sign up for accounts unless they're like school accounts, right? Um, emails connected to your financials, for example. Um, Proton Mail is the most secure email service. That's a good one to use. So anything that's... Um, banking information, realtor information, right? Those things that uh, medical information have a separate email that's just for that stuff. Okay. And then have an email for the random shopping accounts. You know, I, I want to buy this uh, 1995 lunchbox on eBay from sketchy man one, two, three, right? <laughs> <laughs> have an email for that stuff <laughs> that, you know, that random stuff that you do online, signing up for newspapers and all kinds of other services for games for, right? So at the minimum, at the bare minimum, you want to have three. Oh, and you can decide where like, that's good and potentially four for the like friends and family stuff. Wow. That was a lot of important information mercy <laughs> like mercy i mean i think i'm gonna take the the afternoon off here i got something and, i gotta do <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so this is the kind of thing that it sounds like oh my god this is a lot of stuff but the cyber like if you put an afternoon into it you can deal with your privacy settings your cyber hygiene um your password management right and once you have it set up you don't have to worry about it anymore just have to pay attention to don't click on on emails don't download attachments that i'm not sure about um if i'm on a shady website or don't go to shady websites in the first place but yeah. if i do end up on a on a website i'm not sure you know it's somebody's personal blog or um 
you know, somebody's linking me to something else, maybe stay away from that, stay away from pop-ups, right? So those, you know, I'm downloading a new app. Hmm, this is asking me for some things maybe it shouldn't be asking me for. Maybe I stay away. Maybe I don't need to play this particular game. Um, so once you've done the initial setup, then it's just a question of getting into basic good habits. So it's not some, it's, it sounds overwhelming, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I see where we, as the person, is probably the easiest thing to hack. It's easiest so easy to, to work on our emotions. <laughs> it really is, right. We try and, to be nice to everybody, but that's, yeah. Right. There is a difference between um, being kind and being nice, being polite and being a patsy, right? So uh, you may want to be helpful to people. Um, do not compromise your security to do so. Very politely tell them, I'm, I'm so sorry, I feel so bad for you, but unfortunately I cannot help you with that. I'm so sorry, I feel so bad for you, but I can't let you just um, look that up on my phone. I'm so sorry, but I, I, I'm not allowed to plug anything into my computer. Uh, I'm sorry, I've had this problem before it's very important that we keep the doors locked they're locked for a reason yeah um if you like i can go knock on the door of whoever it is you're here to visit and let them know to come down and see you oh there you go right so there there are lots of, of ways that you can navigate that oh and another thing there are a lot of places you go in person where you ask for information and you have to ask yourself um do i need to give up this information, right? You go to the grocery store and they ask you for your phone number. Um, you go to buy a, a blouse and they tell you to sign up for their whatever, right? Oh, can I have your phone number to look up this, that, and the other? Or um, do you want to sign up for our whatever? You get a 10% discount. That's that reciprocity I was talking about, right? We'll give you a 10% discount if you right, sign up for our service, right? So those loyalty cards, they can get you a lot of points off. But the reason they can afford to give you those loyalty cards is they're making more money off of selling that information. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that one. <laughs> they're <hurt>. not free. <laughs> they're a business, right? If they're giving you something, it's because they're making money somewhere else. <laughs> right. If they're giving you, if they're putting in a if they if there's a sale, the purpose of a sale is to get you into the store so that you buy other things as well. So in the long term, they make more money. The purpose of loyalty cards is to gather information. Ouch. Well, a few things you said uh, struck home uh, today. <laughs> I kind of like with Sarah, I'm going to have to clear my schedule uh, this week to make a couple of changes. I know. And uh, I really appreciate it. I feel like you gave us the words to address these issues, but then, mm-hmm. oh, you know, explain to people why we can't do this. I appreciate the because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know. But then when you're saying, I'm sorry, but I can't do it. And I'm thinking, oh, I can say these things. That's okay. I can say that. I, I'm, I'm sorry. We've had some security issues in the building. We need to make sure only people who have, you know, have access can be in here. Right. Um, yeah. Good advice. We appreciate your time. Mercy, <laughs> this, is, this is kind of going to be one I'm going to have to listen to twice so I can remember everything. <laughs> but uh but it's just staying vigilant like you said goes a long way yeah and uh training yourself on those choices and maybe not being as uh as 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 open right yeah so yeah you're and giving up a little bit of that convenience 
for a little bit more security. Yeah. Definitely fair. It also means that if you forget your card, you can't get access to the building, Mm -hmm. right? So it's a a two-way street. You, You always... You, know, you, ha- you can have to think about that. And it can be, it can be inconvenient at times, but yeah. somebody asking you, uh, can I have your phone number to look something up? Uh, is there any other way I can do that? I, I feel uncomfortable giving up my phone number, mm-hmm. right? Um, could you tell me why you need that information? There, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. well, thank you. This, uh, this, I'm excited about this. It's, uh, <laughs> Woo. I think oh. we're gonna make a lot of people uncomfortable. <laughs> all, right. all right, so I'm gonna tell you two more things. One more, one thing. First thing, it it's um, usually useful. Look yourself up online. Mm-hmm. Right. There's what we call open source intelligence, which is if you've seen what we call things like spear phishing, whaling. Right. So these are targeted attacks directly towards you. Um, people can look up your information online and use that to craft, say, an email that looks like it's real, right? So it's not just a generic, dear customer, right? It's dear Steven kind of thing. So it's worth um, searching for yourself online to see what information is available. If somebody looks for you, what are they going to find? Um, The second thing is I want to emphasize Unless you are, unless you work in a high security environment or you have, you know, a stalker, it's very unlikely that people are out to get you, specifically you, right? There is a lot of social engineering that goes on, like phishing emails. Spam is also considered social engineering. That's just sent out to hundreds of thousands of people every day, Mm -hmm. right? And they only need, um, so the, the actual rate of people clicking on those is like less than 1%. But if you're sending it out to 100,000 people and you only, you know, you only need less than 1% to click on it, right? So if you're doing basic things, you know, reasonable level of security, it's very unlikely that you will be the victim of a phishing attack or, or of any sort of social engineering attack right? That's targeted directly at you. So you don't need to be, you know, walking around terrified. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, If you've set up your your privacy settings and you've changed your passwords and so on, if there's a leak somewhere, right? A hacker will like take the entire leak list and just set it up so the computer can try all of those accounts. And every time they get a hit, that's a win for them, right? But if you've already changed all your passwords, you're fine, Mm -hmm. right? You don't have to sit around worrying about all the hackers out there trying that. So this isn't something, you know, like I said, take the time, set these things up, and then don't worry about it. Fair enough. Reassuring. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're we welcome. so appreciate your time with this. This would be good to get out there. Hopefully we, we help some people prevent any problems yes. down the road by doing this. 